Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 197, Why You Need a Business Partner. Presented by Nicole Perry and Peter Hayward. Thank you very much. So, hello everyone. This is, uh, well, we originally submitted this panel as You Need a Business Partner, and they diplomatically changed it to Why You Need a Business Partner. (laughs) But in fact, the true title in our hearts is you need a business partner. <laughs> and so it's something totally relevant, which is a map, because we got it today, and it's all very exciting. It's one of our upcoming games, so if you like pretty things, look at this, and then... Uh, and also my face. And your face. <laughs> it's going to make great podcast content. <laughs> Everyone look at this pretty map. This is Journey into Neverland, coming to Kickstarter like sometime next year, so keep an eye out. Uh, so we are Jellybean Games, I'm Peter C. Hayward. I'm Nicole Perry, and shameless promotion aside... Yeah, I had it with me, and I'm like, I'm going to show this off a little bit. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit about what we do at the business, and why we believe you need a business partner. So Jellybean Games is a uh, relatively new publisher, we're three years, so not like new-new, but we're not Simon. <laughs> you were in the little... We're, we're, in the, we're, in yeah. the, we're a medium medium age business, uh, and we primarily focus on family games in the same way as Pixar makes family movies. So games that kids can enjoy by themselves, or adults can enjoy by themselves, and an adult and kid can both play and have a good time. Uh, we've released, we've we've done ten Kickstarters. Yes, we've got four titles in retail, something like that. A bunch more coming out, a bunch more Kickstarters, including that pretty one, uh, and. I am in charge of the kind of creative side of things, so I make a lot of the games and I develop the games that I don't make. I'm in charge of art direction and assembling the Kickstarter and writing the blog that we're putting together and kind of broad company direction stuff we do together. And I'm here to look pretty. No. And, uh, what do you do? <laughs> um, you, we know you don't it. do that. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm here for the business relations side of it. Um, I do project management, production. Um, I handle all of our convention attendance and coordination. Um, I deal with the logistics of the Kickstarter fulfillment. Um, I uh, spearhead most of our customer service. Um, operations is your is your title. Yeah, operations manager, but really a jack of all trades. I think we both are. Yeah, well, you need to be in a small company. And uh, the reason for this panel is that if you want to run an actual business, so like you want to actually be a business that makes money and re- regularly makes products, all the things we've mentioned have to be done and the vast majority of people just want to do what I do and for the first year of the company I did just do what I did and Nicole wasn't involved and it was a horrible disaster train wreck that I'm still kind of personally digging my way out of various debts uh, if you're at our earlier panel how to lose money on Kickstarter you'll have heard more about that but uh, yeah so we wanted to talk about uh, we have through the course of the three years we've been doing this met a lot of other Kickstarter creators and talked to a lot of other business owners and so far we, we have a little phrase in Jelly Bean Games you, I mean I feel like it's egotistical for me to have this phrase I have a little phrase in Jelly Bean <laughs> Games you need a Nicole um, does anyone know who Roy Disney is? Roy Disney R-O-Y hands up cool okay uh, so 
Walt Disney is a famous man who created the Walt Disney Company, many animated films and theme parks you may have heard of. He has a brother called Roy. I'm just pointing at my notes so I have them. Uh, and Roy Disney's main job at Disney was to say no to Walt. Uh, he, I, I just recently watched, actually, it's on Netflix Canada, I don't know if it's down here, um, a film called Walt Before Mickey, following Walt Disney's life before he made Mickey Mouse and then became the person. And there's a great scene where he calls his brother and he's like, Roy, uh, they weren't working together at this point. He goes, Roy, guess what? I just made my first sale. He's like, oh, that's fantastic. Who to? To the cinema. Great. How much are you charging? Uh, 30 cents a foot, because that's how they used to charge for animated films back then. It's like, amazing. How much does it cost to make? He goes, 30 cents a foot. <laughs> I forgot to factor in profit. Um, it's not a good movie, but I really liked that moment because that was genuinely me before Nicole. <laughs> uh, and so Roy Disney is considered by many to be the secret to Walt Disney's success because if you never have anyone saying no, you never have to sharpen your ideas. Walt Disney's job after Roy came on was to be rebuffed and go away and work on the idea and keep coming back until Roy couldn't say no. Yeah, yeah, not not through like not because of perseverance, but because the idea was so good at that point that he had to say yes. It made no sense to say no, and so uh, you can call it a Roy, you can call it a Nicole, as we do internally. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, if if you're a creative, uh, fancy type like me with my fancy suit, my fancy hair, you need a Nicole. You need a business partner. You need a Roy Disney, uh, because otherwise, you're going to go off on your unfiltered way and fuck everything up. Um, <laughs> So uh, let's talk about that exactly. What I'm talking about there from your point of view. What, how, how, how does that work in our relationship from your from your end? From my perspective, um, I have always had a passion for running a company. I like spreadsheets and numbers and logic and this money and money. <laughs> um, I like puzzles. So this is. Peter says that he does the fun side of the business, but I think I do the fun side of the. I, I guess it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good yeah. difference to have. Um, but it really works out very well for us because uh, Peter gets to have all the uh, profitable ideas and I, I get to make sure they are actually profitable. Yeah. Uh, Julia Hearn from Greenbrier Games once said that I make the money, Nicole makes sure we don't lose the money, <laughs> which I thought was a really nice way of, of framing it um, because genuinely before Nicole, I used to make the money and then lose it and now we only do half of that equation. Uh, on, on a good day. Yeah, yeah, I know when, when, when things are going well. Um, and so uh, I just want to, yeah, we want to talk a little bit about that process. Uh, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also lead off with like what I consider to be the most important part of our business relationship is that running a company is, it's like two and a half full-time jobs. And I don't just mean the amount of work you do. I mean the amount of str- mental strain that it takes and the amount of, the thing that surprised me the most about running a company was the emotional drain of it. I am used to making mistakes. I've made mistakes my whole life. When you make a mistake with your company, for some reason, it hits you in a different way than anything else. And I, uh, we made a game called Scuttle. This is, again, in the pre-Nicole era. And I was like, we should offer it to retailers for half off. That's what you do. So I offered it to all these retailers for half off. And if they bought 12, I threw in free shipping. Um, so because I mispriced everything, I end up losing an average on this on this ten dollar game, I lost an average of twenty one dollars per copy I sold to a retailer, uh, which is insane. <laughs> like that's so much more than I ever could have made. And of all the mistakes, that's the one that really like after I rem- after I worked, I sat down and mathed that out. 
that was the one that made me feel the dumbest and stuck with me the longest. And the emotional burden, like voluntary burden of running a company is more than halved when you have someone to share it with. Uh, Nicole and I, after a particular mistake or a particular bad whatever, a spreadsheet gone wrong, have literally called each other on Skype. Stared at each other. And just like for an hour, (laughs) just like silently been on Skype. But it's really helpful to have someone to stare at so you're not... Shouldering the emotional burden alone, um, and and on that same note, like just someone to bounce ideas off. Like, I ha- I'm I'm very happily married with a very amazing, gorgeous little child. Not to the child, I have a child with my uh, partner, and uh, I love Roxy to bits, and we share a lot of stuff. But he doesn't run a company. He doesn't he doesn't get it in a way that like Nicole absolutely does as the other person running the company. And so in the same way as, you know, when I'm having marriage troubles, I talk to Roxy about it. When I'm having company troubles, I talk to Nicole about it because she gets it. And it's really, really nice to have someone to share that emotional burden with. And also just to be like, hey, you know how we're going to do packs? Why don't we go in two days earlier and do this thing that's nearby? And And sometimes it'll sound great. And then we actually have someone bounce the idea off of and... No, it's too much time away from our customer service. Or, or like we did that last year and it didn't work. Oh yeah, I forgot that we did that. Or, or it's three days before BGG, we should really just sit down and... Or we're launching a Kickstarter that weekend. Why would we want to be in the middle of the desert? Whatever it is. Some like, things that you don't <laughs> think about until you actually have someone to verbalize it with. Um, so yeah, the the companionship? <laughs> it sounds like a weird weird uh, noun to use. It's like a but business marriage. It's like a business marriage. It really is. Um I'm very happily business married to you. It's I am moderately happy <laughs> being business married to you. Not in front of the children. <laughs> in front of the business children. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, for the, the things of if you're a creative type, you really need like a, a logical type. And just having a second person. And, and Jamie Stegmaier talks about this a lot in his blogs. Uh, Stonemeyer Games is... Alan Stone and Jamie Stegmeyer like that's the Stonemeyer Jamie's obviously the face he designs the games he's the one who does it full time but he has a, a call with Alan Stone every week and he like meets up with him once a month for a two day thing and just having that person to bounce ideas off is infinitely more valuable than you can expect like it's so ridiculously valuable we use Slack the, the app um, and we have seven channels which is just us two it's just us two but the organization of our thoughts and being able to throw an idea in and reference it later and talk it through without getting too jumbled up between topics it's just incredible yeah um so yeah the, the Roy Disney thing the I'm not quite using the right word but I'm going to say companionship like the bouncing the ideas off uh there's a no, I was going to reference a book, but I can't remember. There's a business book that exists. And in this book, they talk about the fact that you need to account for the fact that everyone who works for you but doesn't own the company, by definition, will not care as much as you. <laughs> like, why would they care as much as you? It's not their company. It, um, I used to go home from my nine to five, and at six o'clock, I stopped thinking about work. And if you only hire people, the second they turn off their computer, they're going to stop thinking about work. You really want someone who's going to be as focused and as dedicated as you are um, and sharing that burden with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the other big advantage, I've got a little list here, is uh, just finding someone who cares as much as you do. Again, like, Roxy's very invested in my life uh, as my husband. Like, 
there is a there is a certain amount of, of uh, investment in that relationship, but it, he would be just as happy if I stopped running Jelly Bean and started painting toy rocks. Like he doesn't he doesn't care in the same ways. Nicole is very personally invested in Jelly Bean games specifically. Uh, those were the four points I had. You had two, mm-hmm. and then we're going to take questions. If anyone had questions. So the good thing about having a business partner is that you can really focus on the things that you're good at. Like I can't design a game. I don't have a passion for designing games. Um, if you asked me to, I would probably design the worst game you could possibly imagine. But I'm very good with numbers. I know how to calculate an MSRP. Um, and I'm very good at project management. So I'm able to use my skills and allow Peter to do the creative work. and. We both get to do what we love, and... Right, like, like, I write the Kickstarter updates. Nicole can and has written the Kickstarter... Like, you can write a Kickstarter update. It just takes you about three times as long as it takes me. Why? So uh, why yeah, why yeah, would... exactly. So, with when I was solo doing all the stuff, A, I would avoid the stuff I hated, and then when I did it, it was, like, a day of building up to it, and then it took me five times as long as I've never done it before. And then I'd be like, great, now I want to just do nothing for a while. And I never want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Nicole can do that while eating breakfast, you know? Like, it's it's about knowing what you're good at and doing that thing. Um, so you guys have very complementary personalities and skills. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We have very complementary skills and similar and useful ways. Personality, which I guess, is also complementary. So yes. Yes is the word I'm looking for. And um, I, I think it's important to say that we really, really lucked into a business relationship. We were yeah. friends first. Um, you're not always going to mesh with everyone who wants to be your business partner. Um, and that's okay. But make sure when you make a commitment like that, you're finding someone that you really want to stick with long term. Because it is a huge emotional investment. Yeah. And uh, financial investment. Because we're yeah. tied together for a very long time. Yeah. There's a podcast called Startup by Gimlet Media. It's uh, it's very good if you start from the start. Second season's okay, but the first season's really good. And it's him recording the process of starting the company that makes that podcast. So, uh, What's it called again? Startup um, by Gimlet Media, G-I-M-L-E-T. It's it's the first season's incredible. Uh, second season's fine, third season's very good. Uh, third season's a lot of short stories. I'm going into too much detail about this podcast. Um, the first season is about him saying, I want to start a podcast company. Our first podcast is going to be me just recording my life as I start this podcast company. And he lets you in the door. Like, in the first episode, it opens with him pitching to one of Silicon Valley's biggest venture capitalists. And the guy being like, of course you can record this. Why not? Sure. So you hear a terrible pitch. And this guy tearing the pitch apart. Like, it's super valuable. But there is a dedicated at least one episode, I think maybe a few, where he realizes you need a business partner and starts looking for one. And he describes it as like financial dating. He says it's exactly the same. You gotta to go to the right bars and meet the right people and meet a bunch of people and see if you mesh. And like, it's a lot of work in the same way as dating is. But at the end of it, if, if you do it right, you find someone who you're compatible with, you find someone who you can share your life with. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like dating to get married. It really is. Um, and along those same lines, I've lost my train of thought. No, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, no, it's gone. It's gone forever. It's gone forever. Oh crap! It's gonna bug me. Anyway, um, uh, and and oh, that's right. Yeah. So the other thing is that uh, a friend of mine gave me this phrase, and I use it all the time now, which is "Let's date before we get married." 
Um, and so in the same ways it's like dating, if you find someone you're like, yes, you and I can be business partners, don't sign the papers the next day. In the same ways after a good date, you don't go to the church and get married. Uh, date before you get married. So I knew that Nicole and I got along as friends very well. I knew that she was ambitious in a way that I found really useful and interesting. I knew that she had a bookkeeping background and a bizarre to me passion for that stuff. Uh, but I didn't then be like, great, you're a co-owner. Instead, I hired her to do customer service. And three months, six months? Um, I think it, it spawned from you posting this job listing that was about project management and operational um, assistance. And I said, oh, well, that like seems like the perfect job for me. Yeah. And but at that point, we'd been working together professionally with obligations and deadlines and expectations and, and communication. communication, which is a vital thing for customer service uh, between the customer service person and the, the person who knows the answers to the questions. For at least four months at that point. Oh, yeah. So, about, yeah, at least somewhere between three to six months. Um, and so... And even then, we didn't sign paperwork right away. We came to an agreement where we just discussed financial responsibilities and shares and then we came to an understanding where we would try this out for six months and if it worked my portion would get back earned yeah, and yeah. then and if it didn't I'd get paid for that time yeah we, that we worked out a number of hours per week that Nicole would work and at the end of six months we were like let's split ways she was going to get paid for all the work she did in that six months on an hourly rate so uh, Peter was able to get the experience of having a partner without having to sign on the dotted line and yeah. commit. So you moved in together before you got married. Yes. Yes. Uh, and this is this is after I'd known Nicole for months uh, and then after we'd worked together for 10 months. So like there was a lot of steps between that and her now being a co-owner of Jelly Bean Games. Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, before Nicole, I met this guy. He emailed me on Kickstarter and was like, I want to be your business partner. And I was like, I need a business partner, yes! And we, like, we didn't, again, I didn't sign anything, I'm not a complete idiot, but we had a lot of conversations. <laughs> and then he stopped replying to emails, and I was like, this is not a good sign. I'm going to be more cautious in the future. Uh, so yeah, date before you get married, and really, finding a business partner is like dating. It really is. Question? What would you say about um, having a business partner who you're already friends with, you know, that you've been friends with for years? I think that when you start working with friends, sometimes it works fantastically, but sometimes it doesn't. And it's the, like dating a friend. The risk is the friendship could be ruined too. So you really got to be careful before you get into that. And make sure that expectations are completely out on the table, and that you can separate those two aspects of your life. Um, I mean, Peter and I were friends first, but. We were only friends for like two or three months before I started working for Jellybean in any capacity. Yeah. We met in November. I started working in January. January? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like if this didn't work out and we lost our friendship over it, we weren't, you know, losing 10 years of a relationship. Yeah. If, if, I, if it was someone I'd known for 10, 20 years or whatever, I would extend that 10 month period to a year or two, probably. Like, really make sure that at the end of the, at the, end of the first year, you are actually happy with how the other person is operating because if you're not, you're gonna feel this obligation to like continue because they're your friend and you love them and they're excited but they're a bit crap and you might be the one that's a bit crap, you don't know. Like uh, regularly, regularly checking in, but I would, in the same way as if I started dating a friend of mine from 
who I'd known for 10 years, I wouldn't be like, we get along so well, let's, let's get, get married, married in six months. I'd be like, whoa, this is... We should take even longer. Yeah. Um, I actually was running a company with friends before Peter Francois had had for years prior, and we'd always gotten along very well, but once we started working together... Things um, deteriorated. Very, very quickly. Well, uh, honestly, there wasn't a, like, uh, there was money involved, but it was just the, uh, sorry, someone made a money symbol, which is what no, I was funny I mean, too. Yeah, there was money involved, but it wasn't even like making a salary. It was the... Uh, it was the expectations and the distribution of work, and I'm speaking for you, I'm sorry. Hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the problem, another problem that we had was that we decided that we'd all be equals, and... It, that's just not a good idea because when you butt heads and you're equals, who breaks ties? Yeah. Um, when uh, responsibilities aren't shared equally, but you can't really express that without hurting someone's feelings, what do you do? Um, so I think it's very important to be very cautious when you're uh, working with someone that you have a pre-existing relationship with. Yeah. In that, do you guys consider yourself equals? We are legally not equal. Um, I, I'd been running this for, yeah, (laughs) no, uh, I'd been running the company for a year. I'd put a lot of my own money into it. I was the sole designer for the company, et cetera. And, um, um, I, my, part of my requirements for joining was that I had no financial responsibility to it. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so it, it is unequal. Um, and, and that was hard at the beginning because I didn't know how much... Because my job is to basically tell Peter no. Yeah. At the same time, I don't have an equal stake in the company. So it was a very uh, interesting balance that took me about six months to find the right yeah. way to approach things. Once, once I think Nicole realized that literally her job is to tell me no, <laughs> like that's actually what I want her to do, <laughs> uh, I think that made things a lot. Oh, for sure. Was um, there an adjustment to you to bowing to somebody else in your company and not doing exactly what you want when you want to do it? No, because I'd, I'd been doing that for a year and I was on a steady decline into debt. Like, okay. I'd so followed that path. Yeah. And while, while we're not equals uh, financially, Peter treats me like an equal. Uh, yeah. He's never <laughs> said, you know what, I own this company, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I mean, he could. If there was something he was yeah. truly passionate about, he'd have every right to do it. And I'd say, okay, well, I don't agree, but we're going to move forward the best we can. I'm going to give you two concrete examples, and these will really clearly illustrate why I need someone to tell me no. Um, actually, I'm going to give a bit of backstory, which is that it's taken me many years to realize I actually don't care about money. And that is a terrible thing for a business owner. Like, <laughs> you need to care about money. And I try, like I sit down with a little pen and paper and like try to care about money. I just don't, I just don't care about money except for when it stops me from doing things. Like that's the only reason I care. And you can say like, that's all the money is, but no, you actually have to care about the money. Um, and so the two, the two examples I'm gonna give is that we, uh, we now actually do Jelly Bean as a paid job that we make a salary from. And I have a tiny little baby. And I was like, Nicole, I wanna make more money. Can we just make you know, 50% more of what we make? And she's like, no. Where's that money coming from? <laughs> I was like, just... We can from- if you don't want to fulfill a Kickstarter. Like, sure. And so, like, genuinely at that point, I could have been like, hey, it's my company. We're going to do this. Like, I am legally able to do that. But if you're but sharing wh- your company and giving me a portion of your business to tell you no and then not listen to that advice, why am I yeah. even here? And I'm not... That sounds that I've framed that in a particularly dumb way, but I'm not like just an idiot of like money doesn't mean anything. I was seriously like, 
I think we're doing well enough to do that. And she went and she looked at the numbers for a split second and came back and said, no, we're obviously not. I mean, we do, like, the cash flow is there. Theoretically, we could do it for however long, but there are tens of however many obligations that we have that we'd run into a problem. And And that's something I need to know that Peter necessarily doesn't. Yeah, if I'm storing that in my head, I am worse at my job. Not because, like, I don't... Yeah, just because I, I'm focusing on what I'm focusing on, Nicole's focusing on what she's focusing on. That's why we work well together. Because I don't store all of her stuff in her head, and she doesn't know the difference between versions one, two, and three of Jabberwocky. Because I, why would that be relevant? A uh, little-known fact is that I don't actually play test our games until in Peter is this is says this is ninety percent final because it is information in my head that I do not need until it is like locked in. Uh, so that's example number one. Example number two is that uh, I my computer is starting to get a bit chuggy, and I was like, Nicole, can I just get this new top line computer? And she's like, We just like no for these reasons. And again, I could have been like, No, I want this computer. Just just pay for it out of the company money. But like, why would I do that? You know. So uh, who asked the question? Someone asked the question um, as to like. Oh no, the question earlier, sorry, I mean, of uh, is it weird for me? I'm like, no, that, that's what I need. I, in a financial sense, need a mother. <laughs> um, it's frustrating sometimes when you just want the I thing. just want the new, th- I want the more money, I want the computer. But if it doesn't make sense for the company, and that's, it's just not a skill set I have. Like, I, I just don't have the... Um, uh, the word that I'm looking for for that. Mental bandwidth? No, no, the... Uh, 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 not Will capacity... Power. No, um, uh, uh, aptitude. That's not my aptitude. My aptitude is just not looking at the finances of the ship and where we're steering. I can, I can like plot a path, but I can't steer the ship, if that makes sense. Is the company more than just you two, or do you more just have like contractors for the other work? We, we generally do contract work for uh, the other positions, especially when you're working with artists and designers will pitch our game. Um, Long term, we'd obviously like to bring some someone um, on board full time eventually, but right now it's just us. Yeah, we have so we have someone who manages our social media, and we pay him the same amount every month, and have done for about a year now. Over a year now, it was yeah. one year anniversary. Um, he's not an employee because he's a contractor because he's in Australia, and that and he sets his own hours. Issues. It's just a specific amount of work expected per per month however he decides yeah. to do it and but he's part of the team in a sense so the, the company legally is just us but the company culturally is about five people yeah about half a dozen people or so so since she's in this management position who's doing the customer service that you originally hired her for uh we hired someone else for it well i oh yeah, nicole, nicole and someone else splits it basically <laughs> uh it's honestly a thing that i don't have to think about and that is <laughs> It's a big deal because, like, I I can sit down and work for ten hours, and I can get into the flow and make stuff happen, and blah blah blah. And if I'm stopping every six minutes to reply to an email, it's just it's it, it really sucks you out in a way that it's not yeah. conducive to. Yeah, in the same way as Nicole will have days where she is just like Peter, I'm on spreadsheets today. Don't message me. I'm on taxes. Leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> just diving in. That's all I'm doing. Any other questions? So, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so you said, you mentioned that your, your background is bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, is it like just bookkeeping or did you actually have a more um, general business background as well? Um, I, so I really specialize in uh, things that require a lot of attention to detail, so that really works with uh, the project management and our quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, also works with customer service. Yeah. So. Um, 
But my experience, most of my experience prior was with a uh, component distribution company. So there's a lot of overlapping like purchase orders and sales orders and a lot of like I knew how to track inventory um, and, and uh, reconcile bank accounts in, in QuickBooks. So that uh, using QuickBooks was a huge skill set that I... I love QuickBooks. It's fantastic. Uh, it blows my mind how many companies, especially small companies in this industry... You don't um, get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's over there like... I'm like I'm like I could sit down for two days and learn QuickBooks. That is something I am capable of doing. <laughs> like why? Self torture. So yeah. Many, so many companies in this industry that don't track their inventory, and it's like you need to. You need to. Like you have to know how much stock you have. You have to know how much it's worth. Otherwise, what are you doing? And that might sound really obvious, and it's it's not that I didn't know that. It's that I never thought to like think of that like I never literally never was like I need to know how much inventory I have if I thought do I need to I'd be like yes obviously but I just never asked that question and yeah Nicole's incredible thank you uh, any other questions yeah. uh, places to find um, people not to give folks some more so that is that is the challenge. Um, Nicole has literally gotten probably half a dozen to a dozen offers at this point, <laughs> just from people who learn what she does and run companies larger than ours. And they're like, "Oh, that is a skill set that I need to have." Like, because I not only have the skills, but I also now know the industry. So it's like a yeah. And as well as the, the boring spreadsheet stuff, Nicole runs our booths at cons, and she is. Uh, great, like she's great at, at interfacing with the customer, and one of the reasons she doesn't play our prototypes is so she can demo the games and not get old rule sets confused. Like, she plays the final version because that's all she needs to know ever. Whereas I, as the developer, can't do that. Uh, so where do you find me? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, Headhunting agencies. Well, the thing is, this is this is uh, hopefully this is not a spoiler for anyone. This is an industry with very little money. Um, it is not a it is not a wealthy industry. People who are who are going into wanting to run a business are not going to come here first unless they have either a passion for tabletop or some connection to tabletop. So I met Nicole at a, a tabletop convention, a board game geek in um, Dallas. In Dallas, and we just literally were introduced by someone, and we hit it off, and just kept in contact. And then I was like, I need someone for customer service. And then I was going to Florida where she lived and she was like, come stay with me. So I stayed with her and like it just, it uh, awesome it, it was the start of a beautiful friendship. Um, and we just happened to get along. Pure dumb luck. Yeah, pure dumb luck. Tell, tell them what the first thing you ever said to me was. <laughs> so, I was working with a media company at the time and it was one of my first shows and publishers just coming over to me like asking to be interviewed or talking to the, the person whose booth we were in and I didn't know if they were talking to me or them. And uh, Peter walks up and completely drained. And what did I say to you? Well, we, we, I knew that we were going to dinner. And I had no information about this. So I walk up and she looks at me. She's like, what do you want? <laughs> and I'm like, I want you to do my customer service. That's, <laughs> that's my dream. Um, so I feel like there's a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> A little bit more growth to that yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so dumb luck is my... Like, coming to stuff like this and talking to everyone that you can. Um, and just because, like, the person you're talking to isn't the right person doesn't mean they might not know the right person. So if you're looking for someone, ask for recommendations. 
and be vocal about what you want too. Like I, I knew that I was, I knew that I needed a Roy. Like I was, I was reading a bunch of Disney business books and they're all like Roy Disney. I was like, Oh, I need that. Like that is the thing that I like, I could recognize myself. They didn't write Nicole. No, I know it's weird, right? Um, I recognized that I needed that. And so I was asking, not asking people individually, do you want to be my Roy? But asking people, do you know anyone who could fit this? Do you know this? So like Avi, who's, who's here, uh, two years ago was my first Metatopia. I saw a panel with her, Kurt Covert and Marie Poole. And all, afterwards... All fantastic people. Yeah, yeah, great. It was a really good really panel. That's when I met people. all of those for the first time. Wow. Like, that was a hell of a room. <laughs> yeah. Um, in that room. <laughs> and afterwards, Avi was like, come talk to us in the lobby. And I just like waited for the crowd to thin and just unloaded my brain onto Avi. Just being like, here's where I am. Here's where I can see the company going. Here's the thing that I desperately need. And Avi spent some time trying to find me that person. Like, and she didn't succeed. But the the like it could just as easily have gone that way you know but now so, i know abby and if i was ever in a position where i needed someone and someone like you yeah uh, it, it's all about networking and, and finding the right people and talking to the right people and knowing what you want and being vocal about what you want i have found as a straight white male to be very effective uh, i don't know if that applies elsewhere but i know it applies to me <laughs> um do you so you, your relationship is really strong but also very rare uh, is it ever worth it to settle for less than that? Like you talked about, like you should be very careful about getting into bed with someone who you who you don't know that well. But if you're a designer, you can't find a perfect business partner, but you can find one who kind of does an okay job. Is that something you should steer clear of, or? I have an answer to this, but do you want to go? Um, I'll let you go first. So. This startup episode, I genuinely, if you're looking for a business partner, I recommend listening to the startup episode. I think it's two or three. It's pretty early on. Just start from the start. You'll get to it pretty quickly. Uh, he finds his Nicole. He 100% finds someone who is the perfect match for him. And uh, I happen to know that you are married. But when you're looking for someone to marry, it's that's really the closest comparison. You don't go on two dates and be like, oh, this, this person's decent. Enough. I will invest the rest of my life in this person and obviously not every marriage lasts the rest of your life and not every business relationship needs to and there are compromises that you'll need to make like not everyone's perfect right like Nicole and I disagree on I can't think of anything offhand but there's, there's stuff that we just disagree on and free notebooks <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave out free notebooks after we'd started our business relationship and she was furious <laughs> because her job is to stop me from doing that and I forgot to ask <laughs> uh, she would have said no obviously not I, just, I was so used to running the company so the, the adjustment question that's the biggest example <laughs> I was used to being like this is a good idea do 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 update she, posted she, yeah I'm just handing out money that's a good idea yeah like, genuinely you calculate how much shipping this would cost how she much was, weight this would cost what the cost didn't the do any of that because I was used to not having a Nicole um, and so I mean for me genuinely I would ask you want to have a baby do you settle on someone because you're like, oh, I need well, to have a baby. But you just you just talked about how bad the situation was before you had Nicole. So, right? Like, is that would it have better to have been continuing that way? I would have shut it down, honestly. Okay. If I hadn't found someone within the next few months, I would not have settled. And this is me; everyone's different. I would not have settled. I would have shut things down and not started again until I had a Nicole, uh, which is we're trying to make that the industry term, uh, Nicole. <laughs> Uh, so yeah genuinely look at it like a marriage look at it like having a little business baby would you have a baby on your own maybe 
Yeah. But it would be a hell of a lot easier with someone that you're compatible with, that you work well together with. And it is intensely stressful. Like, like a marriage, like having a baby. Nicole and I are pretty good at not, like, fighting, fighting, but we check in a lot. Oh, we t- I talk to you more than I talked to my husband. Yeah. Which explains why I'm divorced. That, that's <laughs> uh, not a coincidence. Um, so, like, uh, I'll, I'll, can I give the example of BGG Spring? Uh, yes. So BGG Spring was our first ever booth, and we arrived, and we set up the booth, and we ran the booth, and on the last day, we sat down and had a big breakfast where it was just us, and we debriefed, and... Nicole had been... Do you want to describe it? I don't want to put words in your mouth. So it was our first booth, and tensions were high, and I had this list of things that I wasn't thrilled with about how we interacted with each other, how the show went. Just just to give one example, um, I'd been uh, demoing games at a different con a few days ago, and we came in, and I spent the first day micromanaging Nicole. And she was like, I don't want to be micromanaged. That's not what I'm here for. Uh... And because this was the last day, she hadn't had a chance to talk to me about that. So I'd been doing stuff like that all weekend without relenting. So uh, one of the things that we talked about, and Peter is incredible for feedback. Um, One of the things we talked about is we would debrief every day. So we didn't get into a situation where I was harboring this resentment for five days without a chance to talk about it. Um, And had we had done that, might... The consecutive four days would have been a lot less stressful for me. So now at every convention we're at, we take some time every day to just sit down and debrief and just stuff like, hey... How are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, And if there's any issues... uh, I'm trying to think of, like, any any examples. Um, Don't call me that... Don't call me Nikki. I hate being called Nikki. You've never done it before. You've started doing it today for some reason. Please don't call me Nikki. That's that's a made-up example, but that's an example of something that could genuinely happen... And it just cuts it off at the head rather than waiting for it to fester for three days. Uh, so we check in a lot, a lot, a lot. We are very compatible in our communication styles. If either of the things weren't true, this would be a bad business marriage. Uh, it is stressful and tense and intense and there's a lot of weight on the relationship and without someone who you are compatible with you're going to stop telling them stuff because you know how they react and that's going to build resentment and so it's going to snowball it's going to snowball so again this this is me this is my personality type but personally i would not settle um i would i would wait until i found someone i i felt like i could business marry do you think that would be mitigated if you had the responsibilities shared between three or more people? Or is that prohibited based on the size of the company? I, if you don't mind me taking No, Nicole's got direct experience with this. I had, a, a simultaneously, I was also working for the with my other friends, and we it was five of us, and I found that working with more than one person was just a nightmare. It was so rare that we all unanimously agreed on something, but then we all had equal shares. So it's like, then, then what do you do? Half the time, at least one person, if not two, are going to be unhappy. Um, you're not going to see eye to eye because there's so many different personalities involved. And if you have different shares and one person's higher than the rest, then you have four people that are resentful. Um, I don't know that I would ever get into a business with someone if it's a situation with more than three. Even three is like like, three is not something I'd recommend. I can see situations where it would be beneficial. Yeah. um, But I just partners are really ideal in my mind. As as soon as there's 
three people in a room, there's politics. Like, just immediately. Um, I'm going to briefly tell an anecdote. Uh, when I lived in Melbourne, I once woke up early and went into the middle of Melbourne and found the Laughter Club, which is a group of 60 to 7 year old women who get up every morning on a Saturday, the first Saturday of every month, come together and laugh. Ha ha ha. He he he. Ho ho ho. And it's such a ridiculous thing that you start naturally laughing. They did this for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and then went for breakfast. It was like a nice little routine. Uh, they invited me to breakfast. Very nice of them. I went to breakfast. I found out that the Laughter Club was a hotbed of politics and backstabbing and people hating each other and someone had stolen this idea and taken it. And I was like, holy crap, like politics exists anytime (laughs) there is three people in a room. So if I don't, I don't imagine a scenario in which more people is better. I just, I just can't see it. I'm just inferring that you guys obviously don't work together you live in different parts of the country we do yeah we yeah that's unusual honestly but yeah that's that's what we do you think your dynamic nice smooth flow would be different if you guys were sitting in a room together 40 hours a week it would definitely be different um we communicate a lot i think we over communicate sometimes because we're so far apart um, but at the same time, when we do have FaceTime, we really take yeah. advantage of it. We try to come in two days or one day early for every con just for the FaceTime because so bouncing valuable. ideas off in person is, you know, five hours in person is worth 40 hours online, like roughly. Uh, so being somewhere in physical proximity to each other would be beneficial. It would be very useful. Um, having said that, we would definitely get on each other's nerves more than we do, but that's just the nature of... Of any of, relationship. Yeah, um, I think that we, I don't know, we have a really good balance. We get to see each other. Yeah, we, we spend six probably to ten like times a year um, for for one to two t- weeks each time. It's it's a good amount. Uh, I mean, long term, we've talked about getting an office somewhere and doing that, but that's like long, long term because I'm in Canada at the moment and I'm an Australian. It's a nightmare of visas. Uh, but and I think our relationship is really like it's better now it will be better at that point um, yeah well, well we'll have x years of history then too um yeah it's true because the thing is a con too is like we literally share our hotel room so a con is not just seeing each other nine through five a con is what like 72 hours I've in the same space two months and now i can't get you out of my head yeah so uh, i wouldn't necessarily look for someone who lives far apart or for someone who lives yeah. close I'd focus mostly on how you interact. The compatibility is way more important than the location. You can make the location work either way. The compatibility is not going to be fixable in the same way. Uh Any other questions? Um, So, I'm I'm sorry, you said you were divorced. Was the company part of the reason for it? Why'd you get divorced, Nicole? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just wondering how much of a strain is this putting... Remember, this is being recorded for the internet forever. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, actually, so the strain of the company had no bearing on my divorce whatsoever. No. Um, though my relationship with Peter did. Um, at one point, he told We're me... We're purely platonic, in case that's in anyone's mind. 100% platonic. 100% platonic, and we communicate like crazy. And he once told me, I think it was about maybe three months before I decided maybe divorce was the right idea. Um, he said, you know how great we communicate? I communicate with Roxy, his husband even better than that and I'm just like oh (laughs) and that was really what started turning that thought process because it wasn't a deliberate (laughs) (laughs) campaign or anything like that but Peter was uh 
at that point the person I talked to the most. And I love that that was that that we do talk at that level, but I didn't realize that it should have been more than that with uh, the person I was with. Yeah. So. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Because like so honestly, it's my husband who's you know playing the game design. So I'm kind of he's thinking I'm kind of going to be his Nicole, and I'm like, well, I'm also planning on having my own company that's not game related at all. And I'm like, I can't really probably won't be able to do both. Yeah. I, I would strongly recommend not. I mean, I don't know anything about your relationship, but I would strongly recommend not doing a company with your spouse. Yeah. No. Oh, I was going to say half time. Oh, with that um, too. Like. Having like finding a business partner is like getting married. Yeah. Starting a company is like having a baby. You don't have a baby three days a week. I mean, there's probably going to be times where, like, especially at the beginning, where maybe not even at the beginning because the beginning of a company it takes a lot of focus. But I'm sure there'll be times where there's a lull and you could potentially focus on something else. But there's there's a, a essayist called Paul Graham. He also runs Y Combinator, which is a big uh, venture capitalist firm, and his essays are fantastic. Like they're really good. And the one that I always think about is called the idea at the top of your mind, or it's about I don't know if it's called that. And he just talks about the fact that there is something in your life that when you are not like when you're stalling, when you're driving, when you're showering, it's the thing that you think about. And the death of a startup is when that thing is money and not the product. And so trying to run two companies, one of them is going to be the idea at the top of your mind and one of them is not. And one of them is going to like suffer as a result and one of them is going to flourish. And there's going to, and hopefully there's going to be a time where you have to pick one. Hopefully your companies will be successful enough that you do need to focus full time on it and then what do you do? Do you want to talk about a year ago at Metatopia? Uh, actually, yeah. A year ago to this day, um, I was running a company with... Uh, my three friends and my husband, and I was also running a company with Peter. And, and Nicole came to Metatopia uh, largely for the panels, but equally largely for the FaceTime. It's so valuable when you work long distance to just be in the same physical space and like while standing in line at the Chinese place, being able to be like, oh, hey, I just had an idea. It's at the top of my mind. It's at the top of your mind. We can, Let's we just can talk about it. We can interface. Um, and Peter brought up the idea that at some point I would have to choose. And that really started spurring, you know, the wheels of, well, what would I do? And I realized that I really wanted to stop splitting my time and focus so we could go farther. Yeah. And that was when I decided to be full-time on Jellybean. Yeah, Nicole was here partially for the panels with Jellybean, partially to do stuff with the media company. And it was frustrating to me because I'm like, oh, oh you're not, you're, you're here, but you're not here. And so, yeah, I realized that at some point you'd have to choose. And I think if you have two kids, you have to choose one of them eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Parenting advice. I don't, I don't, wait, I hang on. on. Actual kids, so How do we get that? <laughs> uh, but I think, I think if you've got two businesses, yeah. you, you have two half businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my opinion. Again, a lot of this is, is us with our personality types, et cetera. But um, we've found from what we've seen, this is, this is pretty... A lot of people will have a successful Kickstarter and then be like... I should do this thing that is related to this and also run my board game company and... And most of the time, at least one of them suffers for it. Most of the time, both of them suffer for it. Most of the time, they abandon that side project and they can't catch up with where they were on the Kickstarter path. So my personal recommendation would be not to do that. And then, did you want to talk about running a company with your spouse or is that a bit personal? Um, I So, obviously, I clearly did not have that great of a relationship with my spouse to begin with, which I see now. Um, but 
I would recommend not getting into business with your spouse because it becomes so hard to separate um, any conflict you're having with work and not take that personally or vice versa. And I love Peter and even if we were interested in each other romantically, the fact that we work together, uh, we would now never date because oh, it's no. just... Disaster. It, there's too many things that can go wrong. It would also be a disaster of dating. But, yeah. That's a bad <laughs> but, then, but then both relationships would suffer for it. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier just the sheer amount of strain that is on the business marriage and we survive that just through constant non-stop communication like last night I was like are we okay and I was like why would we not be okay and I'm like I'm just stressed and you're tired so I just wanted to make sure she's like no we're fine I'm like okay good but uh, the strain of a, of a marriage dumped on top of that I think something would break and you ideally want that to be the business and I mean and not I'm the sure there are exceptions to the rule but mm. it's such a risky thing to do that I recommend it just out of personal experience. Yeah, grain of salt, etc. Uh, and we've got time for probably one or two more questions. Is Kickstarter your only go-to on how you manage games? Um, uh, are you asking about our source of income or general board game advice? Your your board game advice, like in your company. Like oh yeah, so so you, so. You just do Kickstarter and that's it. Or are oh, there no, other no, no. ways that you get games out there? For sure. There's definitely other ways. Um, Kickstarter was a big factor in actually getting the games published because it does give us that cash flow and the uh, the direct source of sales uh, to get that off the ground. But uh, we sell our games at conventions and we also finally were recently able to get into distribution, which means there's, our games are in stores. Uh, we are in Barnes & Noble now and um, we're having games looked at by Target and Walmart and hopefully uh, that's another avenue too but do you also sell directly off a website if you guys have a yep. website we jellybean.games um dot com no jellybean.games oh yeah <laughs> um but cool. our website cool. is one of our least reliable sources of income yeah really? yeah yeah, absolutely, because we don't have any traffic being directed there. Um, I mean, we have social media, but that really uh, focuses on our upcoming projects and things that are just getting released in stores, and, and yeah. anyone who's following us probably already has most of our products. It, it goes Kickstarter, retail, uh, Kickstarter, retail, conventions, and then way below that, website sales. Someone like, negligible. Yeah, yeah, someone like Tim Fowers uh, gets a lot of website traffic because that is the only way to get his games. You can't go to the store and get, like, if, if you could go to the go to Barnes and Noble and get a game or pay shipping from our website, why would you do that? Like, and that's fine. To, like, we're not. It's definitely a, a legitimate business model. It's just not the one that we yeah. follow. Yeah. Any other questions? Cool. Um, oh yes. What would you say is your most successful of the social medias uh, for you specifically? Uh, so this is. A big part of having a business partner is that I outsource a huge chunk of this stuff, so I don't have to like. I don't even know me personally, like, and that sounds dumb, but it's it's so useful to like. If I know, then it's in there, and I'm going to think about it, and every now and again, and I just I don't know at all. Um, I think Twitter is one of our. Is it, I don't know. <laughs> honestly, um, I haven't really thought about our social media since we uh, brought someone on board that we trusted and that was good. And now, so good. Obviously, they don't care as much as a business owner, but we trust them enough to care enough to do that part of the job. And, and that's you good. use it for just 
just building brand awareness or yeah uh customer service as well to some extent people um, will tweet at us and just be like this is happening or hype hype um, making sure people are expecting and anticipating our games and excited for them um but it social media is something that should not be neglected and is something that we unfortunately neglected until we found someone who wouldn't neglect it yeah, it's, it's just like me in the spread and, and say QuickBooks. Like, I can theoretically learn QuickBooks. Um, I'm, I'm good with computers. I can do that. Nicole and I, for about, what, three, three months, months yeah. we're like, we'll just do, we'll just do our own social media because we can. It's a thing writers. we can do. We have the pictures. We have the content. We know what our schedule is and what Kickstarters are launching. We can do it. And then three months without updates later. Because you're running a company. Like, it's I, just, it's, yeah. it's that, it's that thing of like, it takes you out of what you're doing and you have to do this other thing and then switch gears back and that's so detrimental to getting stuff done right. sorry it becomes an afterthought yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It. it's never urgent and when it's never urgent when you're working 60 hours a week you're not going to do it right. yeah that makes sense is there anyone in the audience of the number of persuasion looking for the creative persuasion <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> did you know that coming in <laughs> we knew that coming in but <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea who this now. Yeah. Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you want to say anything, Eric? Uh, it'll be recorded on the internet. Uh, yeah. I'm Eric Whalen. Uh, you can probably find me pretty quickly online at the Swalen, spelled uh, T-H-E-S-W-H-A-L-E-N. I'm a California lawyer who went and finished business school at the same time, and I'm around. <laughs> Maybe he could be your Nicole. <laughs> Call each other. <laughs> I'll tell you what you can't have, which is this Nicole. <laughs> and I have to keep telling people that because they come in. Uh, you, uh, you should set up business partner speed dating. Yeah, like, yeah. seriously? <laughs> but the thing is, the, the, the I, I think I said this a lot, the people who are really into that, like, so I, I'm going gonna, gonna to go on a, on a, a yeah, I'm going to yeah. quickly talk about this. Um, most of the really business savvy people in this industry are women like the vast majority of the really business savvy people in this industry are women and can i just name them really quickly yeah, yeah I please just, uh julie ahern from greenbrier games marie Poole, and uh anne marie from uh fireside are all incredible women that i personally look up to and nicole perry <laughs> thank you Oh my gosh, they're incredible. Um, and there's various reasons why this could be. My personal theory is that uh, men typically seek glory more than women. I think that's the thing that we're socialized to do. I don't, I'm not talking like biologically. I just think that men are socialized to seek glory more. And if you are good at business and seeking glory, you don't go into board games. Uh, men who go into board games seeking glory want to be designers. Uh, and that, that's my personal theory for this, this weird imbalance. Oh, cool. We've got to go to another thing, so we can't. But... Um, uh, and so, how did I get onto this? I just started rambling. Yeah. You were yeah. talking about finding business partners. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, someone suggested speed dating, and like, there's there's four people in this industry who want to do what Nicole does. Now five. Now five. Uh, and like, <laughs> if if you can find someone, then like, the thing is, the the reason that I wanted to work with Nicole is because she, like me wanted to run a business and most people who enter this industry don't actually want to run a business they want to see their name on a box and they get rejected from publishers so they're like well i'll just do it myself and running a kickstarter is starting a business like it really 
really is on so many levels and people accidentally start a business. Now, I wanted to run a business. And you still accidentally started a business. No, I... Legally, I, I, I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, legally. <laughs> uh, but I came into this wanting to run a business. Running a business for me is really engaging and interesting. I want to be creative, but I don't want to be creative and then pass it off to someone. I like to get my hands dirty at all levels of the thing. Uh, and Nicole, I found out, was doing her media company, not because she was super passionate about that particular type of media. She just liked running a business. And like that's a that's a rare and useful thing. Uh, My dream is to grow something that I've helped, uh, I've and, and you know be in charge of my own time and be in charge of you know watch. I don't know just, business. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. So like if if you don't want to run a business, and I don't mean like I want to make games so I will run a business, then no, don't do it. You need to want to run. Even I doing all the fun stuff. I still spend the majority of my time running, running a, a business. business. That's what I do. It is something like 70-30 between running a business and getting to develop and design without and make a business games. partner would have been 90-10. Yeah, yeah. Without a business partner, it's 90-10. Like, literally, Nicole is 100% running a business, and I'm still 70-30. Like, it's, it's so crazy how much of running a business is running a business. And the dream is to get to the point where you can just do the fun stuff. But in board games, that's that dream is a long way off, and it's very hard to reach. And most people, if any, will you know, e even people at the highest companies are still probably running a business. Um, and so, people who are coming, like people coming to these events, I think the proportion of running a business versus wanting to make games and be creative and have fun, which is perfectly a fine goal is I would guess like 99 to one. So the speed dating would be uh, like going to a mining town and running a speed dating event and be like, okay, all 400 guys, you get one minute with this lady, <laughs> let's go. Like, it's great for her in that she gets her pick, but like, it's not gonna be a fun event for all involved. I wasn't actually serious. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. <laughs> all right, so. Cool, we've got to run. <laughs> I ordered them. Uh, Peter's husband Roxy came up with the idea, yeah. so. and I, I did the graphic design. So, so that's like, a yeah. Uh, thank you all so much for coming. We've thank got to run you. to a thing, but uh, if you see us around, feel free to ask us questions. Um, I'm gonna leave some of our business cards here. Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. You guys need to get in contact with us. My business cards are here. That's the right one. Thank you. Thank you. So you guys were like, you need to find me to roll. I know you